We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, what is up, guys? Wednesday, October the 12th, 2022. How are you all doing here on this hump day? Let's see. Video good, audio good. What's going on? Appreciate you all tuning in. We are live. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up Show, and we are here taking your questions, your comments, your calls. 843-790-3377. Also, update, we've got a new chair in the stew. So, new chair goofing. Who is this? We got a new chair trying to get this thing situated. Um, appreciate you all tuning in again, guys. Very exciting day here on this Wednesday. A lot to get into. We've already got storylines and tidbits coming out regarding next weekend's game against Texas A&M. Also, we got my good friend Anthony Treesh, who will join the show here in about five minutes or so. <clears throat> Anthony will join us to talk everything that happened over the weekend against the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, as well as look ahead to the game next weekend a little bit. We'll focus mostly on Kentucky, but uh, we'll also spend some time looking ahead to Texas A&M next weekend. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Babes and waves, what's the status of the A&M quarterback? I, man, it's, it's Wednesday of the week prior to the game, babes and waves. There's rumblings, there's rumors that potentially Haynes King will not play and they will turn to Connor uh, Weigman or Wegman, I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, they will turn to a five-star freshman. So South Carolina probably going to be facing a backup, a, a truly a backup. I mean, this is QB three for A and M. Gamecocks probably going to face a backup yet again for the second straight week. So it kind of feels like, man, maybe the stars are aligning here for South Carolina. Who knows? We will see. Anyways, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Of course, as always. The Daily Crow brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go down with the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS at sign up. You're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. And guys, you can play anything and everything, whether it be college sports, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, you name it, they got it, guys. So many of our listeners have made tons of money with our friends over at Prize Picks. So again, that's Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. When you sign up, use the promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out. Tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. And let's break the bookie this fall. Also, in the Big Cot Club Discord, <clears throat> head over to the TDC Questions channel, the TDC Questions channel. Be sure your questions are answered there. And thank you so much to all of those who tuned in 
to the Big Cock Club hangout last night. That was a lot of fun. Had a good time. Uh, I've got a little update. <clears throat> I've got a little update for you guys. Chase Floyd. Chase, I did not go to the store, my man. A four-pack of those Rebel Rabbits is 25 bucks. I was not making it back out to the store, my guy. I will update you on how the night went, Chase, in just a second. But no, Chase seemed to think I was going to the store. No, I was not going to the store, my guy. Uh, anyways, we're going to fire over this link to our good friend Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. Let's see. Let me – I got a lot of DMs over the weekend. A lot of DMs. Here we go. Here he is. <clears throat> we will go ahead and fire this over again, guys. A lot to get into. We'll take your questions, comments, calls after this. But uh, some funny life updates for you all for sure. Specifically last night, as you all know, Rebel Rabbit, now one of our business partners, if you will. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have a couple of their beverages last night. And let me just tell you, it was an experience. The folks on the Big Cop Club Hangout caught just the last, like, 20 minutes or so of it. It was an experience. Let me just say that. And something I want to update you all on. Also, guys, as you see, I'm rocking the long sleeve here. Um, want to promote, obviously, we got long sleeves, hoodies, pullovers, you name it. We got it. Obviously, the weather's starting to cool off a little bit. You're going to need all these things. We also added some new long sleeves. We got all your favorite designs, Beamer Ball, Beamer Rattler, Clem Sucks, all that good stuff. And again, hoodies, pullovers, long sleeves, jackets, beanies as well. Be sure to go check that out at TSUS.store. That's T-S-U-S right here on my head, dot store. Uh, Lady Bree says, y'all want to prove you're a man? Try waxing your beard while listening to this show. I will not do that. You can have it. You can absolutely have it. That's all on you. Anyways, we are waiting on Anthony Treese, guys, waiting on him to join. Appreciate you all tuning in. Also, those who are tuned into the podcast form of this, welcome. Uh, the podcast did drop this morning, episode 714. But, of course, you're now hearing the Daily Crow on our TSUS podcast feed. So, again, welcome to those of you who maybe don't normally tune into the Daily Crow uh, I feel like you're going to get a lot of value out of this show. And again, really, truly do appreciate y'all tuning in. All right. That being said, again, he joins us every single Wednesday. And I'm very excited to chat with him here on this hump day because it feels good to be good. And it feels good to be talking about a Gamecocks win. Of course, Anthony Treesh, pro football focus, joins us. Anthony, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Doing pretty good. How are you doing? I am doing well, man. Appreciate you asking. The fun is in the winning, of course. And I'm glad that we... Uh, we sit here on this Wednesday talking about a big Gamecocks victory. Now, Anthony, you alluded to it, right? You felt like South Carolina was capable of doing what they were doing or what they did on Saturday, but we just hadn't seen it in so long, right, from a South Carolina team going on the road, playing the way they did, it, and really dominating Kentucky up front, which is something that the Cats have done to South Carolina, it feels like, over the last eight years. Uh, I'll give you the floor. Just talk about – the game as a whole, South Carolina's performance going on the road at night in a hostile environment, whether it be with Will Levis or no Will Levis, but the job that South Carolina did to get a top 15 victory over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that they needed, right? I mean, now they're on a three-game winning streak. Things are looking a lot better than they did when they were one and two and kind of had some disappointing performances against some of these, you know, higher levels of competition with Arkansas and Georgia and then Kentucky, like you said. I mean, they just out – you know, out-muscled them in the trenches a little bit. I, I thought from, you know, Kentucky's offensive line, obviously, it's not up to their program standards. Definitely not one of the best in the SEC. But, I mean, South Carolina made them look really, really bad. 
Um, and I, I think that kind of speaks volumes about kind of where South Carolina is getting better at um, defensively and also just the state of Kentucky's offensive line. So I think that was kind of the big takeaway. And if I had to give out kind of, you know, my, my gold star for the game would be that pass rush, right? Because I mean, they were, I mean, they were all over uh, in the passing game and, you know, getting there with multiple sacks, you know, a lot of key sacks on first down too, just made it really difficult for Kentucky's offense to get anything rolling there. Um, even the run game. I mean, Chris Rodriguez was Chris Rodriguez. He was a bowling ball, right? I mean, some, he's a difficult one to get down. I would say he's probably, you know, the biggest Mack truck in college football at the running back position. Um, and he showed that in this game, but again, it could only get him so far, right? Cause there were some stuffs in there as well. So, you know, that was kind of my big takeaway um, along with still a lot of issues on offense that need to get figured out. Um, you know, they had some key moments in there as well. I mean, the part of the game was a little bit, I, w- I wouldn't say fluky, but I mean, it definitely went in South Carolina's yeah. favor, not something you can count on in every single game from happening with turnover and kind of scoring off that right away. Um, but overall, I mean, this was something you needed to see from the defense, you know, whether it was against the backup or not. Um, and the offense still got a lot of room to grow. I mean, there's still some things I need to see from them. Um, a lot to prove, in my opinion. Yeah, Anthony, I want to get to that pass rush. You talk about the defensive line, and a lot of guys were active on Saturday night. Zach Pickens, Jordan Birch, Tonka Hemingway had two fumble recoveries. Uh, and we talked a lot about the numbers going in that Kentucky game that South Carolina had one of the highest or I think the highest blitz rate in, in college football and only had four sacks coming in the game. They literally eclipsed their season total in that one individual game against Kentucky. What did the numbers say about just how good that Gamecocks pass rush was on Saturday night? Yeah, and the thing was, like, the this, a lot of the sacks, it was a four-man rush, right? I mean, it, and what you said right off the top caught my attention because it was the same thing I was thinking. A lot of guys were involved, right? I don't think there was a singular player that – just was the game wrecker. He was the key piece. He was the reason why everything was so successful. I mean, it was the pass rush as a whole. Um, and it really was the plays that they weren't really sending, you know, more guys than normal um, that were the most successful there. I think what was it five sacks when they were sending four um, and just looking at it. I mean, it was, it was one guy after another, just flat out beating his guy um, and getting after the quarterback there. So, I mean, I thought it was a kind of a collective um, effort as a whole. And I do think with this team, you know, with the, the, the high blitz rates, I still think they, they could probably take some off a little bit because I, mean, I think it's still a very aggressive. And I honestly don't think they need to be that as aggressive as they are because then it gives them – leaves them vulnerable in coverage in certain areas. Um, so I think that is something that I did take away as well. And I'm going to be curious to see how they kind of go about that um, as the season progresses. But the next thing that they will have against Texas A&M – Probably won't be as easy for him um, because, I mean, this offensive, that offensive line is night and day from what it is in Kentucky. Um, but, you know, different quarterback situation, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about uh, later on and next week possibly. So, you know, I, I think that was just kind of the big thing is that they didn't need to bring all this heat to really get up to the quarterback. You know, that defensive line, that, those, those four-man rushes, I mean, they were, they were winning. They were winning at a high rate. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you can affect a quarterback with just four down linemen, like you mentioned, just the four-man rush, it, it is a game-changer. And I thought you mentioned that first play, you know, Anthony, it's so funny. I, I don't think it's unfair for you to say, uh, you know, maybe fluky is too strong of a word. But I, I will say, after that first play, and it might sound kind of no-dub because the Gamecocks literally recover a fumble and they score on one play. But it, it, it more so represented to me the mentality of the game. Like, I I felt like Kentucky was a team that under Mark Stoops, beating the Gamecocks the way they had, they prided themselves on no-nonsense, ground-and-pound, punch USC in the face, and and dominate up front. 
And it just made me feel like I was like, you know, if Kentucky feels like they've got to be that gimmicky and they've got to be that finesse tonight, it, I, I was confident from the jump. I was like, if this, if this, if South Carolina's offense can move the ball at all, I, I think Kentucky just showed you that they have practically no confidence on the offensive side. Exactly. I mean, you could you could quite see that. And you know, like I said, like I said before entering the game, Will Levis. I don't think he's kind of been you know, this elite all-star quarterback that everyone's been pegging him out to be. But I do think that he he was doing exactly everything as was designed. And I think they were nervous because they weren't going to have somebody that could be like, okay, we can count on him to at least make this throw. Um, you know, it may not be the, the most difficult throw in the book, but he can actually make it consistently. Um, they didn't have that, you know. And I think kind of losing that backbone made them nervous. And, you know, that's when you can kind of get gimmicky and it can kind of backfire on you pretty quickly. Um, and honestly, when you, when you have some of those guys that don't see the field often leading the offense, um, you know, I don't know if we really want to go down that route because it kind of leaves them to disaster being a higher chance of actually you know, coming out, um, and playing through in the game. So, you know, it was interesting to kind of see that and, you know, with South Carolina's offense, you know, I don't know if they consistently move the ball. I think they were pretty inefficient overall, but still they had like, three or four just very key plays that really set everything up for them. You know, of course, the juice well screen, um, that, that final scoring drive, they had multiple or a key run for Marshall Lloyd um, and then a trick there to for the, for the touchdown. So I think they just kind of had those key moments in there when they really needed them. But I thought it was pretty inefficient for them overall. But, yeah, I mean, going back to what you said from Kentucky's perspective, they you could definitely see that not having that backbone, that safe, okay, we can at least get what we want you know, carried out through a field. The game script's going to get carried out. Things not going to be broken. Um, they didn't have that, and you could see that, that it made them nervous. I mean, obviously, from the jump with them. Now, let's move to the offensive side, Anthony. Talk Spencer Rattler. 14-19 on the night, 177 yards, a touchdown and a pick. His best QBR of the season, by the way, 85.7. Uh, the second half, obviously, this, this offense really, really came on. Uh, you scored just the seven in the first half, and it was with basically like a five-yard field. Um, but Rattler in the second half, eight for 10, led three 70 plus yard scoring drives. Uh, just talk about what you saw from him, what the numbers say. And uh, was there anything that stood out to you from the first half, the second half that he did differently, the offense did differently, what you took away from Saturday night? I mean, honestly, it's still the same takeaway, just broadly speaking. I just still don't see a lot of trust there. And I, I think from an offensive design perspective, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, we're getting a lot of safe, conservative throws, just quick, short, get the ball out quickly. And, you know, Spencer's carrying those out, right? I mean, he's hitting them quickly. I mean, he's got, you know, one of the highest completion percentages on throws within two and a half seconds from the snap. So, I mean, kind of those quick scheme design throws to kind of get your playmakers in space, you know, he's hitting them and it's great. And, you know, we saw like with Juice Wells, that touchdown, it can work sometimes, but you can't live and die that way. And I still think that there's still – just the ecosystem as a whole isn't great. And I think Spencer's still making some bad decisions with the football. And I think when you get that paired together, it's obviously you can lead to inefficiency. And I think something that stood out to me, um, you know, because I was watching him catching up again, just kind of reviewing. And I mean, the dude's not playing in rhythm a lot. And I went and looked and he has the second most dropbacks, not in rhythm in the entire power five in rhythm. He's like 50 something. So, I mean, it's a pretty drastic difference there when, obviously, when you're not playing in rhythm, it leads to kind of mixed results. And, you know, we still see some holding on to the football, some hesitancy, throwing into, firing into smaller windows late, 
and that can lead to plays on the ball from the defense. Uh, that's just still kind of my takeaway there. So overall, kind of with this game script, I it, you just didn't really see a whole lot of faith there. Um, and you kind of saw some of those moments. We, we saw, you know, the moments that, you know, when seven had the opportunity to throw the ball downfield, just wasn't really getting it out, you know, quickly. Right. I mean, he had some nice uh, throws of the move, but just overall, if he does kind of have those downfield concepts, it's still holding on to the football a little bit. Um, but I think it's, it's kind of pulling from both parts. I'm not going to say it's one or the other. It's the play calling. It's seven. I think it's both. Um, and it all goes back to my theme is that I just I'm not sure that the trust is there. And I think that they're still trying to run the offense that was there last year and kind of work for him a little bit. Um, and that's not really seventh game at all whatsoever. And, you know, when he is kind of in, in under pressure, again, still going back to what I've been saying, that issue he's been working on, he's not throwing on the move. He's just kind of hanging in there. He keeps stepping back, drops getting longer. Um, it just makes everything much more difficult. So, you know, I, I think – you never want to kind of rebuild everything. You can never do that in season, right? But I think there's room to kind of self-evaluate, um, especially at this moment in time, halfway through the season, kind of getting that by. Um, so I think that that's still kind of my big takeaway. We just really didn't see anything drastically different that I wanted to see from the overall offense's output from a passing perspective um, and play calling perspective, but also just a performance um, from Spencer Rowler. So when you say in rhythm, Anthony, you're talking like a clean pocket, like not not on the run or anything. I'm assuming that's what you mean, correct? Yeah, when you're in rhythm, so you I mean think of it as okay, quarterback drops and within two hitches he's throwing the ball, right? right. So we're not so we're not seeing him, and some of that is his play style, right? Because you know with the way he plays, holding on the football, right? He's kind of bouncing around a little bit. Um, you know, he kind of forces it sometimes, but a lot of that is to the offense. Um, and, and that also includes all the screens, too, because, I mean, you're kind of firing out the ball quickly. You're not having a drop there on um, those now throws, um, you know, so that that's kind of the, the definition of in rhythm passing. You see a quarterback, he's got a five step drop, you know, less than two hitches, balls out. That's an in rhythm drop back. We're just not seeing a lot of that. And I think it's both parties. And I think, too, you could also look at the offensive line that also plays into a part of it um, from a, a pressure perspective. Um, you can see it with coverages as well. I mean, it all kind of goes together hand in hand. Sometimes in some cases you can point to one issue being the reason why it's the quarterbacks, the offensive line, it's the play calling. I think in this case, it's a little bit of everything. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it is a very telling area of quarterback play, in my opinion. Um, and I think with Spencer Rattler, it's, it, it, it explains a lot with the way everything is for South Carolina this year. Yeah, Anthony, you mentioned again, the win was great, right? We're all excited. We're dancing on Big Blue Nation's grave this week. It's a, it's a good time. It's a lot of fun. But when you look at it critically, there's still a lot left to be desired from the offensive side. And I would ask you this question, Anthony, as because, again, one of the reasons that I really value your opinion, and I like getting national guys on that don't have – don't really have a dog in the fight, right? They don't have a bias, so they're able to see things maybe a little bit clearly than others. When you look at this offense, though, I just feel like the common theme that we hear from, you know, the, the rumblings behind closed doors, just, even though, like, announcers on SEC Network, they talk about how complex the offense is and how how difficult it is to understand. We literally had a uh, Dante Reno, I'll name drop. He went on a show, I, I was told, yesterday or last night and talked about how Spencer Rattler told him that the offense is complicated and it's tough to learn. If guys are still saying that halfway through the season, Anthony, like I understand saying that in fall camp, maybe even week one, but like how can guys still be saying that six games through? And, and, I, and I don't want to 
you know, I don't want to run with this. This is it. This is the problem. But it just feels like this comes up time and time and time again. When you watch the Gamecocks, does it feel like to you they're doing too much? Or does it feel like that, like, they're overthinking it? They're trying to reinvent the wheel offensively? I think that's a good way to put it. I think that you can see sometimes they are overthinking it. And I think with what they're doing, I mean, there's a lot involved to it. And I think the fact that we are hearing that right now kind of raises red flags. And two, I mean, Spencer Rattler is a transfer, right? This is his first year in the system. You know, he's been around, he's, he's played at the collegiate level, but it's very, it's a little different from, you know, an inexperienced freshman coming in. I mean, cause it's a completely different thing. And if you look nationwide, a lot of the transfer quarterbacks that are went to a completely different system, they're not playing the best, right? I'm not talking Caleb Williams. He obviously knows Lincoln Riley's offense. You have Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma for his injury. He was obviously new. Jeff Levy's offense like the back of his hand. But, you know, you look at some of these other guys like a Spencer Rattler, we're seeing some of these guys struggle in new offenses. And when it's a little bit added, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more complex. It's going to make things significantly more difficult when you're that transfer. So, I think that is kind of the big theme there. Like you said, kind of just overthinking a little bit. Um, and that's where I kind of go back to the trust because they're, they're not really letting Spencer kind of play his game. I think they're forcing him to play a different game. And maybe it's not a lack of trust. Maybe it's just, hey, we want to play this way and you're going to live by that. Um, and I, again, I just think it's very, very difficult to do. And I think if you look long term, I think now you can start talking, okay, he's probably going to come back to school. I, you'd have to at this point. Um, what's going to change? What do you expect for next season? Is the offense going to change? I think you never want to look too far ahead, but I think that's kind of what comes to my mind right now because right now, whatever whatever they're doing, it's not working at all whatsoever. Changes are going to have to be made, and I'm not, I don't want to call for anybody's jobs. I never want to do that. Um, but something's going to have to change, whether you know it's the way they're kind of you know designed some stuff, some of the, the plays they install um concepts i mean or, or it's just a completely new person pl calling plays in general so you know I, I think that could be you know fully understandable why some of these players are struggling and when you get these guys and i said it before this season i i was telling everybody this i said i think it's the the year of the unknown that's going to capture a lot of people's attentions internally just nationwide they're going to be focusing on these guys these schools that just went super transfer heavy how does it work? How is everything gelling? How can they adjust to this new system? And I think South Carolina is going to be a case study for a lot of teams saying, okay, they had a lot of transfers, didn't know the system. Now they're kind of getting up to speed with it. And it's not quite working yet. Maybe they can change some stuff around, but you never want to hear, yeah, it is very complex midway through the season. Mm -hmm. um, even with learning a new system within the first year, I mean, that kind of raises some alarms. And like we, we talked about a few weeks ago, when they're calling plays that um, they haven't even practiced in, in a few weeks, I think that kind of goes into it as well. You know, maybe they're not, it's just kind of the, the rash decision-making on game day from a play calling perspective, um, but not everybody's kind of on the same page there. So it's definitely interesting. Um, and I, I'm, I want to do some more research on it too, in terms of just kind of the transfer impact with learning these new systems, because I think it's, like I said, I think it's going to be a very important piece to kind of the transfer portal puzzle. Um, so I definitely think kind of like what you said, overthinking a little bit, I, I think that could probably be the big piece to it. Anthony, I was going to say, leave the, uh, leave the job calling to me. I, I promise I, I will, uh, I'll take care of it. So that's, a, that's another conversation for another time. Uh, <laughs> on that note, though, Anthony, you bring up a great point, and, and this will be more of a talking point, I think, after the season. 
But it, it's a great time right now as we go into the bye week and we're halfway through to reflect. And you, you talk about Spencer Rattler. And I think, yeah, right now, I, I think you would say he's going to come back. I mean, I, I don't think the numbers support. I mean, even with all the talent he has, and I'm sure Spencer Rattler's a guy that w- would go to the combine and, 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 and dazzle, right? But the, the numbers just don't really support him, you know, making that jump. But I think it's pivotal, man. And I talked about this over the summer. I think it's pivotal for South Carolina to to get the most out of Rattler and to elevate his game because don't you feel like, let's say he comes back next year, and let's say for whatever reason it doesn't work out again, his numbers are very pedestrian. I just feel like it's going to be a knock against this football program in regards to how you developed a guy like this. Because you mentioned this is sort of a case study. If he doesn't ball out and do well, I mean, what are people going to think? What are people going to say in regards to you're trying to lure in top elite quarterback talent? You know, if I'm a five-star guy, I'm going to say, well, look what they did with Spencer Rattler. It's, it's not like they exactly elevated his game and, and boosted his draft stock. And so I think to your point, again, and, I, and I'm not – obviously, I'm not writing anything off. We're just six games through. There's a lot of football to be played and changes could be made and all that good stuff. I, I'm not saying it's, you know, doom and gloom or that they're, they're doomed in the future, but – I think it's pivotal they get the most out of him, man, because I think you're sort of you're, – you're not just for your transfer portal guys, but, again, when you're recruiting these top freshmen, you know, I said that the big win in getting Spencer Rattler wasn't that you're going to win 10 games this year, but it's the fact that <clears throat> you're changing the narrative around the quarterback position at South Carolina. We're talking about a program that has not had a quarterback drafted since the draft in April of 1990, right? And that's the most important position on the field. So – I think you'd probably agree, man. It's it's just the first half of the season is what it is, but it's pivotal they get this thing figured out and at minimum get Spencer Rattler to a point where, you know, he's once again highly regarded as a top NFL draft prospect. I think absolutely if they don't get the most out of him, it's a knock. Again, you look at 2020 and 2021, I mean, Spencer Rattler was the highest-graded quarterback in our database. I've talked about it before. He was a preseason Heisman favorite, number one overall pick favorite. After his first year, he didn't forget how to play football. That was not all a fluke, right? And if these numbers that he's posting right now, which are pretty poor, I mean, his PFF grade right now is, you know, nearly 30 points lower than what it was last year when a lot of people were saying he was one of the worst quarterbacks in college football, which was hyperbole. But right now, I mean, it's not great. Objectively, he's, he's not performing up to expectation. And I think if he kind of sustains this level of play he's at right now throughout the rest of his career at South Carolina, I think absolutely it could be, you know, a knock where some people kind of step back and say, you know, is this where I would want to go, right? You know, I'm a top tier talent. Look what they did here. I don't know if I'm confident in that they can kind of maximize, a, you know, their own abilities. So I, I definitely think it's, I don't want to say like, it's got a bunch of pressure. It's, you know, he's the make or break player that's going to define the success of South Carolina for the next, you know, couple of decades. But I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he continues on this path and, you know, he doesn't go to the draft, comes back next year, it's the same story. The next thing you know, he, he's done playing football after being, you know, a Heisman favorite, number one overall pick favorite. I mean, there's going to be a lot of questions there. Um, and, you know, again, it's not, you know, obviously you can put some blame on seven, but again, the talent's obviously there. Everybody knows the type of talent that he can be. And we've seen him do it before. That's the biggest thing. This isn't a, a former five-star recruit that's never played well at the collegiate level. We see those often. I mean, quite, actually quite often. You look at some of the top three quarterbacks in every single recruiting class, usually one or two of them, they falter and they never live up to expectations. They never even show signs of them being a, you know, a capable college quarterback. But 
We've seen that from Spencer Rattler multiple occasions. He took Oklahoma to a Big 12 championship, um, you know, his first year starting for the program. So, you know, we definitely know it's in him. And I think if he can't even come back to sniffing that level, I think it could be something where, you know, a lot of people are asking, you know, can South Carolina kind of take that next step forward, right? Can they actually develop these guys? And I think if you look, too, at some of the other five-star talents that have walked through there recently, you know, we haven't seen them kind of reach that type of level, and that doesn't help them help the cause at all whatsoever so you know i think it's it's definitely an interesting situation um you know again i i've been a believer in spencer rattler i still respect the hell out of his talent right now he's a, a far below my expectations for him um because I, I thought he could still be a star quarterback for him i still think he can be but i mean there's gonna have to be a lot of change for him to get there Anthony, Anthony, let's move into Beamer Bowl. Um, five blocked punts thus far this season. What do the numbers say about how good South Carolina has been on special teams with yet another blocked punt in that game against Kentucky? Yeah, one of the highest graded special teams units. Um, I think they're top 15 in special teams grade right now, um, just like they were last year. I mean, they're top three. We talked about it a few weeks ago. And again, that, I think that does kind of speak on coaching. I think with special teams, obviously, you know, your athletic ability goes into it a ton, but that's coaching more than anything. And I think anybody at any level of football will recognize that. I think coaching matters really in college football more than, more than anywhere. Um, but I think specifically on special teams, that's where it really, really matters. And that's where it really shows. Um, it shows very well in South Carolina's case. So, I mean, it's definitely something that's, you know, I'm not going to say it's been a complete disappointment of the year for South Carolina. I think if, you know, you said to me preseason, you said to everybody in the preseason, hey, they're going to be four and two halfway through the year with lost starts on Georgia. You probably expect that's a pretty good year. I'd take it any, any day of the week, right? Um, so I, it's not, this guy's not falling yet, but I think overall that's kind of been the, the key takeaway. The special teams unit is still performing up to expectation, right? And again, more than anywhere, that comes from coaching. Um, and so that's something to be encouraged about. And I, I think, too, you look at that, you still look at the recruiting front, you look at the morale more than anything. And you see, okay, the faith is still there long-term, you know, with what Beamer's doing at this program. On that note of shame, Beamer, Anthony, I'd just love to get your thoughts on, I'm sure you kept with it, kept up with it over the preseason, kind of the back and forth between Stoops and Beamer and the South kind of program and the culture versus climate thing. Uh, as an outsider, again, just sort of your thoughts on the, uh, the post-game antics from Shane Beamer with the the sunglasses and the culture over climate t-shirts. And it's funny, man, I, I was posting some of those quotes from over the summer at SEC Media from Stoops. And I had people telling me, Gamecock fans, I'll oh, just let it go. You know, it's no big deal. Stoops already made a statement. And, you know, I don't think Shane really cares. Uh, yeah, he took that shit pretty personally. So uh, <laughs> your your thoughts on just, I mean, it was it was one of the, the it's just, you know, the, the fun side of college football, right? So many times it's all coach speak and these guys don't let their personalities show and, uh, that that was just pure excitement and enjoyment and uh, and and adrenaline. I would say for all parties involved Saturday night after that W. I man, I loved it. You know, and I think like I get the whole coach speak stuff. I get you never just you don't want to talk openly to you know the public eye. You know, you kind of want to keep things internal and all that. But you can you can still do that while showing off some flair and some personality, showing who you are um, and having fun with it. And Shane Beamer's doing that. We saw it this past weekend with the video. I mean, I was, I was, I was getting on a plane and I just pulled up Twitter and I was looking at it and I just saw that video pop up. I'm just sitting there laughing while I'm getting ready to scan my ticket, uh, what Shane Beamer's doing. So that made my night. 
Uh, you know, I love it. We talk a lot about Kentucky actually here because there's a big argument PFF headquarters, whether they're a football or a basketball school. Uh, different sides on that. Um, being in Cincinnati, a lot of Kentucky faithful here, not me. I don't have a side in really anywhere, but I thought it was a lot of fun. And I, and again, I think from a recruiting perspective, you look at that, you're like, I want to go play for that guy. And I mean, he's having fun. He's enjoying it and while still making sure his players are up to speed and making sure everything's, you know, straightforward and still kind of having that, you know, I'd say he's a mix of the, the old coaching mind and the new mind. He knows how to do it the right way in this day and age. So I loved it. I, I think in that moment, hell, I'd do the same thing. I, I mean, you got to kind of address it at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Anthony, before we get you out of here, you know, it's crazy, man, how winning one game can just change the complete outlook and perspective of your season. It's why we talked about it being the greatest inflection point of the season. You know, this time last week, I had folks saying, Chris, we'll be lucky to go five and seven. It's, you know, the season's down the tube and you go on the road and you beat the Cats. And all of a sudden, I got the same people telling me, man, we could start seven and two. But the reality is this, when you look at the second half of the schedule, and now we're hearing these rumblings about Texas A&M and they might be on QB3 coming in the game next weekend. And, and you start looking down the schedule of Mizzou and Vandy and Florida and games that you feel like are very gettable. Uh, you know, Tennessee will be tough. Obviously, I think they're at minimum the third best team in the SEC and then Clemson on the road. But this season is setting up, I think, to kind of be what we all thought it was probably always going to be around a seven and five-ish. I mean, if you could hit eight and four, that would be an incredible finish. But, uh, you know, with that win against Kentucky now, and you've won three straight, you know, whether it's it's perfect or not, you know, this is going to be a football team that's playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of momentum. And then again, you hear the A&M news this morning with the quarterback situation. And Anthony, I tell you, man, it kind of feels like the stars are aligning for a big run here for Carolina football. For sure. And I think if, let's say everything stays as it is, the offense is still the way it is, seven and five is still on the table. And I think it's a pretty favorable stretch there. I mean, like you said, Texas A&M, I mean, their quarterback situation is, you know, pretty, pretty bad at this point. I mean, I know they're going to have their QB three is a five star, but he's a true freshman. We don't know how he's going to perform. You know, I would probably say more, you know, the reason they were in that Bama game was just quarterback struggles for Bama. Um, Jalen Miller, he just, he looked bad. I mean, he had five turnover-worthy plays for the game, zero big-time throws. I mean, it was – I think that played more into it, not having Bryce Young than anything, than Texas A&M just kind of being the better team. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that's a game that's interesting that could go in South Carolina's favor. And then you, in the preseason, Florida looked like it was going to be a tough one. I think it's probably a little bit less than that, not to say it's going to be difficult for him. But Anthony Richardson, he has a performed expectation. I mean, it's still the same story, just – a lot of inaccurate throws, bad decisions. Um, basically what we saw last year, just a raw product that still has a lot of room for development. And again, two other winnable games there with Vandy and Missouri. And you never want to look too far ahead and start just counting up wins and losses. But it's definitely a good stretch, even though they have some tough games to close out the year where they could get to that seven to five point. I think if you want to get to that eight to four point or even, or even better, you got, you're going to have to see completely different play from seven. And they, really the offense as a whole. It's going to have to be kind of what I was expecting, which is – you know, Spencer Rattlers, you, you see the talent, you see the special throws consistently, kind of back to what he was. You're going to have to see that play kind of reform to kind of get to that level. But, again, if nothing changes, I mean, you definitely could see a scenario where South Carolina is 7-5. I mean, they definitely have. I just think from a, a talent perspective, you look at the teams that they have on the rest of their schedule, you know, with kind of looking at Mizzou and Vandy. I mean, they can definitely beat them just with the talent that they have right now, you know, particularly on defense. So, you know, I think it's a – they're in a good spot at the halfway point, despite, you know, the way the offense is. 
Um, if you told me the offense was going to be like this before the season, I don't know if they would have been four and two in my prediction. So, you know, I, I think everything's good, all things considered. Still a lot of room to improve. So I think that's where the encouragement lies. They're in a good spot right now with the room to even get to the next level um, significantly so. Anthony, you make such a great point, man, because I think about it too. And I, I posted the numbers for Spencer Rattler in the first half of the season because uh, next Monday I'll do my full like midseason report card show and kind of look back at the first half. And I mean, you look at Spencer Rattler's numbers, and if you would have told me the Gamecocks were four and two, um, just to go through these, Anthony, I know you probably already know these, but 66% completion percentage, 1,298 yards, five TDs. Eight interceptions. I mean, if you would have told me Carolina was four and two with those numbers, I probably would have said you were crazy. But you still somehow found a way. So, like you mentioned, man, if they can, if they can maybe take the second half what they did in Lexington and uh, sort of bottle that up and 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 improve on that moving forward. I mean, the sky's the limit, I think, for this football team. But we got to see it happen, obviously. Uh, Anthony Treesh, Pro Football Focus. Anthony, last thing before I get you out of here. Obviously, the Gamecocks do not play this weekend, but there is a big weekend of SEC football. Ole Miss, Auburn, Tennessee, Bama is obviously the big one. Arkansas, really interesting matchup at BYU, Florida, LSU, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and then Georgia and Vandy. What stands out to you on the uh, on the slate this weekend, the week seven slate, I should say. And obviously, I know you're probably going to talk a lot about that Alabama-Tennessee game. That is the one we all want to see. And I think it's going to give us a really good idea. Everybody's been clamoring, who's the third best team in the SEC? Tennessee's got a great shot, even if they don't win, to make a statement on Saturday. 100%. I mean, that's the game of the weekend, right? I mean, it's crazy to think that if Tennessee pulls off the upset, they're going to be the number one team in college football. for uh, I mean, that's – nobody thought that would have happened. And I, I think you got to give credit to Coach Heupel – I think his scheme is probably one of the best in college football. It's definitely very quarterback friendly for Hidden Hooker, but he's carrying it out. He's taking good care of the football. That's the biggest thing. And this offense just don't make stupid decisions. And he's not doing that, right? I mean, it's very playatric centric. I mean, one of the few teams that are over 50% uh, with play action passes, I mean, like 11 and a half yards per attempt on those concepts. I mean, it's pretty simple. Single high defense. Okay, we're going to the go ball down the sideline. If not, we're going to get creative there and use that up tempo attack. You know, hit this quick slant over the middle, get your playmakers in space. I mean, it's a, it's just an awesome offense for him. And, you know, I, I think, too, Jalen Hyatt, they don't have Cedric Tillman, but Jalen Hyatt, I mean, he's he's an awesome player, in my opinion. You know, at elite speed, that's very dangerous. So I think we could see an interesting game, especially with Bryce Young. Is he healthy? Is the throwing shoulder good? Because if it's not, I mean, I would probably pick Tennessee to win. So I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. And if he has no limitations – I'm going to pick Bama, and I think they're probably going to win comfortably. So I think that's that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. That's how good Bryce, Bryce Young is, for one. Um, so I, I think it's just kind of up in the air with Bryce Young. That's going to kind of decide the matchup there. But nonetheless, very exciting matchup. I mean, got a ton of other ones. Like you said, Arkansas-BYU. BYU coming off a bad game. It's Notre Dame, Jaron Hall, by far his worst game of his career. Um, just really couldn't do anything that they wanted it to do offensively and I think it's just going to continue to be more difficult for him with Arkansas because um, this is a physical team this is a very physical team as physical as Notre Dame so I think that's going to be the big piece of the puzzle too um, even outside of the SEC you got Michigan Penn State I think that could be you know sneakily the best game of the weekend aside from and maybe not sneakily but aside from Alabama Tennessee JJ McCarthy I think he's a star top five quarterback in college football um, just a lot of good football that is going to be played. You got USC, Utah on the West Coast. 
I mean, we were talking about it in here at the office. It's looking like one of the best slates of the weekend, so I'm pumped for it. Yeah, Anthony, I think I read something yesterday. The most ranked-on-ranked matchups in a slate of college football since 2017. So we've got a really fun weekend of ball. Again, even though the Gamecocks are not playing, I'm sure everybody tuning into this will be glued to their TVs watching all the action unfold. Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus joins us every single Wednesday. Be sure to check out his work on social media and at profootballfocus.com. Anthony, appreciate you taking the time, man, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Yeah, appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Take care. Great stuff there from Anthony Treesh, man. Really appreciate him taking the time. Always look forward to our conversation. Guys, on that note, we are going to jump into a break, but on the other side, I want to hear from you. Your questions, comments, calls, and more. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your oh god, taking your questions, comments, calls. Got a frog in my throat. Eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven. That is eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven. As you can see behind me, I played around with the lighting a little bit. I apologize. We got this glare. Normally, we have some really good natural light coming through the window, and it's raining here in Greenville today, so not quite as much natural light. So I had to play around a little bit. Um, but uh, we should be good now. We should be good now. Again, taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Again, appreciate y'all. Shout out my guy, by the way, Phil Ballou, that gave me the uh, the lighting for the like the backlight for the uh, the MacBook desktop over there. That's how we're able to have that light behind me. Anyways, guys, want to hear from you. I thought Anthony Treesh was very informative, did a great job today. Um, let me tell you guys, by the way, <clears throat> on a side note, really exciting stuff happening behind the scenes. We've added or in the process of adding two business partners. And of course, one of them is Rebel Rabbit that is supporting or that is sponsoring, I should say, Stephen Garcia's Monday appearance every single Monday. Obviously, you guys have seen the product placement and all that good stuff. And, and uh, you know, I had a conversation with the CEO and had a great conversation. They want to actually sponsor the segment, which is really exciting. So if you do not know what Rebel Rabbit is, and we're going to talk a lot more about them. We're going to be doing the ad read every Monday. But if you don't know what it is, it is not an alcoholic beverage. As you all know, I don't drink anymore, right? It is a CBD drink, okay? It is a CBD drink. I've never had a CBD drink. And I'm also not a weed guy. TSUS confirmed, not really a weed guy. I've smoked weed before. Doesn't do a whole lot for me. I'd rather have a stogie. I don't like the feeling of holding in smoke you know like inhaling it that's why i like cigars so much because you don't have to do that you get a nice cool buzz and the act of smoking a stogie able to relax chill for about an hour so awesome stuff either way had went you know i felt like you know what we partnered up let's celebrate went and got some rebel rabbit for myself four pack and what i did not realize by the way my big cock club folks will find this intriguing interesting because we were on live last night what I did not realize, there is a mild hair and a wild hair, okay? And so the mild hair is for folks that, you know, don't not really, you know, they don't smoke, whatever. They're not really into weed or whatever. And it's a much lighter type of buzz, right? Much, much lighter. The wild, and it's 10 milligrams, if, if I'm remembering correctly, 10 milligrams. The wild hair is 20 milligrams. And it's more so for your veteran type of kind of, you know, you smoke, whatever. I unknowingly 
got the wild hair. And I was fine. I started, I, I had two of these drinks. Two, that's it, two. I was fine for probably about 45 minutes of our, of our big cock club hangout. And then it started to kick in. I had those two. I'm thinking like nothing's going on. And folks, when I tell you I was touching the moon, when I was hanging out with the stars, I mean, I have never felt, it was wild. It was wild. Highly suggest Rebel Rabbit. Again, they're one of our sponsors. I highly suggest it. Nothing like alcohol. Dude, I was on a cloud, bro. I, 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 was, I was FaceTiming someone after the fact, and it's like I was trying so hard to pay attention to them, but it felt like I was watching the conversation from the other side of the room, like I was out of my own body. I mean, it was just, you know, I'm someone that's obviously very talkative, very alert, very engaged in conversation. I mean, we do it every single day. And I was like, dude, I am like, I'm like not even there. You know what I mean? So, I, I hey, it was a good experience. Great time. But, you know, I, I, I'm again, I'm someone that like, <laughs> I'm always alert. You know, I'm 24-7, like alert on top of things, running a business, making content. These drinks had me, like, melting into the couch. Yeah, went third person mode. That's a great way to put it. Literally went third person. Like, like it felt like I was playing Grand Theft Auto. Like, I was watching myself. You know what I mean? So, wild experience. <laughs> the CEO told me, Pierce, he told me that, uh, he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll get you some 10 milligram and, and uh, you know, that, 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 should, that should suit you well. But, uh, yeah, I had the wild hair, the stronger one. Who boy, I, I I was zooted, zooted to say the least. So, anyways, anyways, just wanted to give you guys kind of a life update. I highly suggest it. How does it taste? Tastes well, tastes good. It just tastes so it's a seltzer, so it just tastes like a flavored water, but it doesn't have like a kick like alcohol. Nothing. It's a very easy to consume drink. Solid. I had the grapefruit, really good, but uh, that was that was a that was an intriguing experience. That that was, I mean, I I. Again, I was FaceTiming somebody, and I, I felt like I zoned out. It may have been for, like, 10 seconds. I felt like I zoned out for, like, 30 minutes. Like, I, I literally was like, yo, what is going on? So, anyways, <laughs> you guys should try it out, though. Rebel Rabbit is awesome. And, again, I, I know we'll have much more information Monday when we do our ad read and stuff like that. But, man, I was hanging out with the stars last night, dude. It was insane. Anyways, want to hear from you guys. Hey, let's talk some ball. How about the Braves falling yesterday? I'm surprised our guy P-Doc's not in here giving us hell. Uh, Bravos will play, what, 437, something like that today? Something like that. So, um, playoffs continue. Um, again, guys, appreciate your love and support. Podcast dropped this morning. We had a great conversation with Chris Marler of the College Football and Centric Podcast, as well as Saturday Down South. Highly suggest you guys check that out. Really, really good stuff. Uh, he made a statement about the Texas A&M game that I will be posting the clip here shortly, actually, right after we get off this. Chris Marler thinks the Gamecocks will struggle more with Vanderbilt than they will with Texas A&M. So, Chris Marler very confident in South Carolina getting that W and taking down the Texas A&M Aggies, so. Uh, we'll talk a lot more, guys, about that game next week. I know we're all ready to look ahead to it. Night game at Willie B. Going to be shaking, going to be rocking. It's also, by the way, the fair gets going today. It's going to be fair weekend. Fair weekend. How about that? Fair gets going today. South Carolina State Fair will run until the day after the A&M game. So I'm thinking probably, I don't know, maybe I'll go into town Friday and go to the fair. Who knows? 
be a good time. But either way, uh, State Fair weekend's always a good time, especially when there's a South Carolina football game as well. So uh, looking forward to that. And we'll talk again a lot more about that. We'll spend the entire week talking Gamecocks and a and But in the meantime, again, I want to hear from you all, 843-790-3377, Austin Greer. What's going on, man? Appreciate you tuning in. Um, again, working, we're working on some really exciting things behind the scenes. Of course, I just mentioned the Rebel Rabbit stuff. Um, they are our newest business partner. We're also working with Carolina Cigars. I'll go ahead and get that out there. Carolina Cigars down in Hilton Head. Uh, the guys commented yesterday, but as you guys all know, smoke them if you got them. I do love a good stogie, love a good stick, and uh, we're working with them to possibly have a partnership, some sort of partnership, do maybe do a live show from the, the cigar lounge, if you will. Just really exciting stuff, though, happening behind the scenes, and and obviously we're rocking and rolling with uh, with content and, and rolling into the bye week. Like I mentioned, guys, no podcast on Friday, but the good news now is this, and, and I can see it already paying off because the numbers for – the amount of folks that tuned into or have tuned into the Daily Crow via the podcast version. As you guys probably all saw, we are now releasing the Daily Crow on the Spurs Up Show podcast feed. I just felt like, again, why not just streamline everything? Why not make it much easier for those who are already subscribed to TSUS, right? If you like the podcast and you tune into the podcast, I got a feeling you're not going to mind even more content and even more specifically, podcast content. So now the Daily Crow is being distributed through the Spurs Up Show podcast feed. The Daily Crow did have its own podcast feed, but now just felt like it was smart. Condense those down and uh, make it simple for you guys. Travis Lee says, Chris, what do you think about the whiteout idea? Are you scared of the blackouts like some? I'm not scared, Travis. I I like this, though. I like more so the team rocking all black, if you want to do that, but... Maybe doing a, you know, listen, I I, I wouldn't care. I, I think it's, I think whether you do a blackout or not doesn't dictate whether you're going to win or lose a football game. I mean, guys, you want to talk about the blackout curse or this curse? Or, what about the chicken curse? Most of you say, well, that's not a real thing. Well, then the blackout curse isn't a real thing. If you don't believe in curses, you don't believe in curses. If you do, you do. So, um, I, I mean... I don't know. I, I don't mind it. I, I think it's a fun thing to get people fired up. I do. Um, I personally write lot, or like rocking black already as it is. So if they want to do it, fine. You know, I, I, I'll tell you this, though. I really liked when Spurrier was the coach and they did garnet on game days. Just wear garnet on game days. Wear your garnet. You know, I like that personally. Um, but that's just me, so. We'll see what they do. We'll, we'll, we'll let them worry about the, the uniforms, and maybe they'll go the alternates. Maybe they'll go the, the throwbacks, the black magics, whatever. Who, who knows? Maybe they'll just go big game guard. I don't know. Uh, anyways, let's jump into my, my guy Chase. Got a good laugh out of the uh, – yeah, Chase. I was, I was zooted, my guy, for sure. Um, let's see. Getting into the Big Cock Club Discord, the TDC Questions channel. Um, Stupid is as stupid does culture over climate with stoop in caps. Love that, Lexi. Love that. Absolutely love that. Let's see. A lot of commentary. A lot of commentary. Austin says, why not do the fire ant uniform? That'd be, that'd be cool. I, I, I actually like the all garnet look. I think that would actually be really, really cool. John Edward, happy early birthday, my friend. Going to be 27 this weekend, he says. 
By the way, also, guys, we're in a new chair today. Got a lot more padding here. I feel a lot more relaxed. New chair. We don't have quite the chair you guys saw in the mountains where I was, I was like li literally sitting on a throne. But uh, yeah, we got the new chair today. Feeling good in the new chair. Got it put together this morning. So um, yeah, anyways, a lot, of, a lot of big things happening. Got a new candle, right? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of big things happening in the studio today. Um, Age of Hours says, where all garnets are all black. AJ says, show us the chair. AJ, I'm, I'm not getting up and doing that. I mean, it's just your standard, just a cushioned office chair. I, I didn't go crazy. Uh, it's about $100 for this chair, though. But uh, no, nothing nothing too crazy, nothing too wild. But uh, anyways, phone lines are open, guys. I'm really surprised y'all aren't blowing it up yet. I really am. I really, really am. Mm, I, you know, I, I thought the, the comments, though, I thought the comments from Anthony were interesting. And again, it's as we sit now at the halfway point, it gives us a lot of time to reflect on the first half and, and what South Carolina has done at this point and specifically what Spencer Rattler's done also. And I posted his stats this morning from the first half. And, you know, guys, I, I think at this point, you know, if, if nothing changes, right, if everything just kind of stays the way it's going to stay and, Listen, I, I'll, I'll go on record and say that's what I predict. I, I, I don't think that the the win at Kentucky really solved anything for the long term health of the season. I, like I like, let me just put it to you this way: I'm not saying the Gamecocks couldn't win the next four games, right? I'm not saying that. It, it's possible. They're all toss ups. What I'm saying though is that I think this football team's identity just sort of is what it is. I, I, I don't I don't think you're going to see us over time, you know, turn into some juggernaut offensively, right? Like we're going to need our defense to play well. A lot of like forty-one to thirty-eight games, easy like that. Let's jump to the phone line. What's going on, man? How are you? What's going on, man? I'm doing well. What's up? No, I just call, um, no, oh, I was going to say it's um, long time listener, first time caller, listen to the Terry show. <laughs> love, love it. I appreciate My name it. Is um, my name is Brian Bay. Um, I got a question though, you know, going back to the offense and everything. Mm. We have two valuable tight ends. Why doesn't they implement the drag route like Spur in the Spurry area? That, that plays like big. It causes a lot of mismatch linebackers. Like, why is something they want to adopt in the offense? You think that's something that changed over break or something like that? That's a great question, man, because that's a great play. That drag that drag route, we had a lot of success with them Steve Spurrier for sure. Um I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and how much does the offense change over the break? I mean, listen, man, I, I want to say a lot, and, and I'd have to imagine that Shane Beamer, uh, I mean, he knows that, right? He, he knows that we've got to be better offensively. Um, but you've gone through six games, and, it, and it's kind of the same thing. I don't uh, – I, I don't know. I, I just – I don't know that I see there being crazy amounts of changes. I, I'll believe it when I see it type deal. You know what I mean? Like, why, why would it take you six games to figure out that we need to make an adjustment, you know? So, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, again, you, you got to trust in Beamer. And I, I wonder, you know, I, I guess as far as we know, Satterfield's the guy. But, you know, if, they, if, they, if they're making adjustments behind closed doors to, to do some different things or try some different things or simplify things, you know, whatever, that's, that's all you can hope. Because, again, you're, you're going to need, obviously, your offense to play well in this second half to hit that seven-win mark, you know, or God forbid more. So, um, I, I, I to, you know, to answer the first part though, man, again, I, I don't know. I, I love the, the, the tight end drag route. I don't know why we don't, we don't do more of it with the tight ends we have, but, uh, you know, just kind of is what it is. So. 
you know, that's you know, that's pretty much you know, I just love to see, you know, especially Spencer having time holding the ball um too long, like even more outs and slants. And I just think that's something that we should have to to you know, to make the offense move better in the past game. It's just it's just so much out there with, with the skill set that we have. I expect a lot more. You know, I'm not trying to you know bash Satterfield on his call, but as you know, I'm a frustrated you know, fan that love offense and I just think that yeah. we have too many skilled players that we're not using at our strengths. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, listen. I don't think it's. I don't think it's bashing sad at all, man. I just think people want to see more from the offense. I mean, it's uh, it's an offensive game, and you know, we all want to see the offense have success. So, um, you know, I, <laughs> whatever adjustments they need to make, man, we we, we got to see it. We got to see it. Yeah, and also just last thing here, um, just even, I know Spurs. Well, I know um, Demon's a big practice guy. You know, you practice, you produce, and you play. Um, give give it up and like. He's been a splash. Like you know, has he had bad practices. Also, he got he got opposite of injuries, but it got the ball. Like I was surprised he didn't get playing time early on, even with before the injury, Jordan Strong and all them guys and stuff like that. You know, what do you think about that? You know, there's some guys that's not been played that that probably deserve playing time because this this kid has been a revelation on the defense. Yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna need need our defense big time in the second half, man. I, I think you're seeing certain young guys step up. I mean, I've, I've loved seeing what Eman's been doing and the way the defensive line was flying around. So. Um, I, I thought the return of Darius Rush, you know, I thought that was very underrated. The way he played, just again flying around over the field and being a leader on that defense, right? And Cam Smith doing Cam Smith things. So, um, again, I think this second half of the season, man, you're gonna you're, you're gonna need them to play well, and you're gonna have to lean on them because I just don't think you're gonna be some some offensive juggernaut, right? I, I just don't see it happening. So, uh, staying healthy is a key. You know, depth is not necessarily a strong suit for us. But you do have some capable young guys for sure. But you would like to give those guys time, right, to come a, to come around and and uh, you know learn the speed of the game and, and develop and and not have to be thrust into you know so so early a playing time. But uh, you know, I, I obviously love what I saw from the defense on Saturday night. Again, all things considered, you know who wasn't playing and who was. But either way, still that attacking defensive line, man, I think you can carry that confidence over, and uh, those guys can play big the rest of the year. All right, man. Appreciate everything. Um, that's all. Yeah, man. I appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Calling anytime. Really, really good stuff. Uh, I know we missed a call during his call. 843-790-3377. Yeah, guys, be sure when you call in that you're saying it with your chest and that you're speaking up because sometimes people cannot hear you um, if you're not speaking up loud enough. So just make sure, make sure when you're calling him that you're speaking clearly into the phone and we can all hear you. Um, anyways. What I was saying, we'll wait on. If you want to call back in, um, let's see, who was it? Not exactly sure who it was. If you'd like to call back in, though, you're more than welcome. Um, let's see. Yeah, if you'd like to call back in, you're more than welcome. I, I just think it's really interesting with Spencer Rattler. Um, will he turn this season around for his own personal statistics? Because you can say – you know, these interceptions weren't his fault. And they weren't, right? There's a lot of them that weren't. But the bottom line is he's got five touchdowns to eight picks. It's crazy, by the way. We, we've we really – we've got to stop doubting the simulation. Davis, Zach, the Hall of Famer. Here we go. Hey. Robbie, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing on this wonderful hunt day? I am doing well, my friend. Appreciate you asking what's going on. I just wanted to throw this out there. I would be completely okay with us wearing the fire ant. Okay, I would. Com- I would be completely okay with that. And 
next week whenever we're talking more about A&M, right? Because we don't play Saturday. So next week, what I'll be looking for whenever we play A&M next week is a little bit more consistency. Mm-hmm. From in every in every in every facet of the game, not just the offense. I mean every I mean everything. Special teams, defense, the whole nine. Okay. I want to see better consistency. You've had you've got basically two weeks to prepare for A and M, and if it's a crap show next Saturday. There is no question in my mind that Satterfield will be on his way out. And you'll be there helping him pack his shit up. Yes, I will help pack his crap if need, if necessary. I will help him. I don't care. Beamer ain't even got to pay me. Just tell me where his house is. I'll help him pack his crap and get him out. Robbie, I, I would I would give an uncomfortable amount of money to see a picture of you like with a box, <laughs> like just carrying a box out of Satterfield's <laughs> office. Just like move, moving his stuff out, I, I would I would pay <laughs> a ridiculous amount of money. I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> oh man! But I I I still don't I like and also like I said earlier. Uh, several weeks ago right I think even if even if by some miracle okay we play well in the back very well in every form I don't see a reason why you bring Satterfield back I mean yeah, you, you, you would you would him, you would have to have a, a just a major offensive explosion in the second half of the year you would, and right. if you and if you keep, right. I mean, here here's the thing: winning cures all, right? Winning cures all. So, right, you can you can disagree winning with me all you want, is, but winning cures all, and it's more fun. Yeah, I mean, if if you go out there to get against Clemson, God forbid, and I, again, I'm just playing the hypothetical game. If you went out there and scored <laughs> yeah. 35 points and won the game, ain't nobody getting fired. Just how it works. Yeah. Winning winning cures all. You could be on the hot seat one one month, and then by the following month, you're not on the hot seat. Very That's well said. How it goes. I mean, I remember. I, I remember back when. Uh, I mean, I remember hearing about you know when back when we were kicking Clemson's ass on a regular basis. There was a lot of chatter. That, uh, there was a lot of people that wanted Dabo Sweeney fired. And then, lo and behold, whammo, yep. 2016, he wins the national title. Wild how that works out. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's uh, Sats coaching for his job, no doubt. His contract ends at the end mm-hmm. of this season. So, um, right. you know, again, while the Kentucky win was great, and it was. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Feels yep. good to be four and two. Feels good to be good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the offense is, is, is the is – the, question mark for the rest of the season that that's going to kind of determine i think um you know that's going to determine your fate for sure so um you know we'll see what adjustments they can and make over the bye week show, but, yeah. right and 
no, there's no doubt about it that this offense is going to have to show that it can play for a, a full game and not just a half. Because just playing well in one half ain't going to cut it in the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. Not with who we yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we still, I mean, this, this football team, we still just don't start well. For some reason, I mean, I, I know the Kentucky game got off to a positive start, right? But, I mean, you know, a little, yeah. bit, little bit of good fortune, which you need. I'm not taking anything away, but I, just purely right. offensively, 90 yards in the first half. I, I mean – I don't know. I think that's just kind of who this team is at this point. I, I, you know, it's it's. I'm not saying you can't mm-hmm. improve, obviously, but it's it's just hard for me until I see it to believe that we're just going to completely reinvent ourselves over the bye week. You know what I mean? And again, it's crazy yeah, like to I, think we're saying all that, yeah. and we're four and two. We're four and two. So yeah. Um, and like I said, yeah, I think I said this yesterday. If if we somehow uh, in the back half of the season, right. Against anybody that is on the back half of our season, if we if we score our if we score the first three to four times we have the football, then I'll be satisfied. Mm-hmm. But that has not happened at all. Okay, I'm throwing state and I'm throwing South Carolina State, Charlotte, and 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 out, out the window. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, and Georgia State out the window. Until I, I want to see us absolutely just with at will move the football, score every time we have the damn thing, and put teams away that actually have a pulse. Because if we have drives like again like how we had against Georgia State where it was close a majority of the time the rest of the teams on our schedule could very easily beat us. It's a really good point. It's a really good point, Robbie. I mean, yes, I think Missouri had a horseshoe shoved up their teeth through Last week, whenever they were playing Georgia, they got they should, that game should not have even been close. I'm I'm actually shocked that Missouri played Georgia that close. I don't know what happened, but I was not expecting that game to be that close. Yeah, no, that was a uh, Mizzou could have won that game. Mizzou could have won that game. Very easily. Pick six, I think. They had, they had pick take six care of business, man. Yeah, take care of business. Robbie, well said, my friend. Always a pleasure to chat with you. You have a good one, Cut. Yeah, man. Take care. Good stuff. Robbie Davis, as always, calling in. Uh, <laughs> Doc Graybeard. I don't know exactly what Doc Graybeard is referring to in these these very kind of off-the-wall comments. I don't know. Um. Anyways, let's see. Rebecca says, I'm going to my South Carolina Gamecocks bedroom and getting me an orange crush and listening to the show in my recliner. Rebecca, love to hear that. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, anyways, guys, 843-790-3377 as we sit here on the bye week. How are you guys going to enjoy the bye week, by the way? You just watch football? Do you kind of try to get away from football? Um, 
Anything specifically? Anything specifically, you guys? I think it's really interesting how our bye week literally falls. It's perfect, too, for content. But it falls right in the middle of the season. It's just really interesting. Um, six games down, six more to go. We got a text here. Hey, Chris, what if Spencer has a good season and beats Clemson, then announces he's coming back for another year? That would be awesome. That coming from Sherb. Uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, if Rattler had a great season and wanted to come back, if if Rattler had a great season and wanted to come back, I mean, that would be great for us. I think if he has a great year, like if if, if Rattler balls out in the second half, plays well, um, you know, has sort of the 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 second half we thought he was going to have in the first half, you will, if he, if he has that type of second half, I think he's probably gone. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think the plan for him was always to go to the draft. Now, if he continues the way he's playing, I think he's probably back. Because, I mean, again, it's it's. Have, would you say his draft stock has been helped this year? I mean, I, I certainly to this point wouldn't say so. Um, and I know he's a guy that we just talked to Anthony Trish about, that, you know, he'd go to the combine and he would dazzle. But I just don't know that Spencer Rattler at this point has the numbers that support him making that jump. I mean, how 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 great is his draft stock right now? And again, like I talked with Treesh, I, I do think it's important, man, for South Carolina to figure this thing out and get the most out of him. Because if I'm an opponent recruiting against South Carolina and I see what they've done with Rattler, and let's just say it continues, and he has very pedestrian numbers and he comes back next year and then it happens again, dude, I'm telling recruits, dude, listen, look, South Carolina, they can't develop talent. They can't get the most out of talent that they get on campus. Why would you go there? five-star quarterback, come here. We'll get you to the league. We'll develop you. We'll, we'll, we'll get the most out of you. You're in a quarterback-friendly system. You know, like, the big draw I thought of getting Rattler in the first place was changing the narrative around the quarterback position at South Carolina. If you drop the ball with him and you hurt his draft stock by him coming here, you failed. In my opinion, you failed. The Spencer Rattler, the point of getting him, you missed it. You failed. So it, it is it is imperative they get the most out of him. It's imperative they have him, uh, they elevate his game. And that includes statistically. I mean, he, he needs to do well statistically, right? Again, haven't had a quarterback drafted since April of 1990 when the draft was happening back then, right? So absolutely. Need to find a way to get the most out of it. Guys, we're rocking. We're rolling here on this Wednesday. Going to jump into a quick break, but I want to continue to hear from you. More your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Checking your questions, comments, calls. 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Also, those tuned in via podcast version, welcome and thank you. Again, guys, like I mentioned, uh, the Daily excuse me, the Daily Crow now available on the Spurs Up Show podcast feed, which, again, it's crazy, guys. The numbers on the downloads increased tenfold because I feel like there's a lot of folks that – 
tuned into the podcast that it's it's just it's 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 wild how you want to make things as easy as possible for folks on social media and when it comes to like hey go subscribe to this new feed it's like it's much simpler to just condense feeds and and again keep it easy make it simple and so we've done that instead of having the daily crow and it's separate on its own separate podcast feed we're just throwing the daily crow in there with the Spurs up shows. You guys will now see that again. It, it will be titled correctly separate, so you'll know exactly what's what. But, uh, yeah, the Daily, the Daily Crow podcast version now available for you all. Bree, what's going on? How are you? I am good today. Uh, I will tell you all, I have further been breaking down Missouri, and I'm a little less worried about them than I was yesterday. So. <laughs> um. Man, Chris, I wasn't really going to call in today, but I got involved in this conversation this morning, and it just kind of made me want to say something maybe to, you know, the whole fan base, really. You know, it's like, guys, we are way ahead of schedule. And somebody was like, well, how do you figure that? We're only four and two. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Well, I guess if you're looking at just this season, then, yeah, I guess I can see where you're saying we're not ahead of schedule, even though we just beat a – top 15 team that we weren't supposed to beat by, you know, betting odds and yada, 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 yada. I would say we are ahead for this season, but let's, let's take the season out way ahead of the program under a regime that's, that's not even two years in. And then all the other part I was hearing, you know, and I've been noticing is all this talk about, well, we haven't beat this team in seven years or this hasn't happened in this amount of time and da, da, da. And it's, and it's like it gets pushed on to the coaches we have now. Hmm. They're taking the responsibility of something that the, you know, and I called in and I said this before. We love Spurrier. We love that he brought our team up prominence, but he also left us in a really shitty spot, you know. And then, and then Muschamp came in and tried to clean it up and didn't do a good job of it. Now we got a whole new coaching staff coming in and all these like, well, we haven't beat Texas A&M ever, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's a whole different staff. What, what happened the last seven years doesn't really matter now because we have a whole new staff that's turning the thing around. In our first year, we overachieved, way overachieved. Not just in mm. wins, in a bowl win, we overachieved in recruiting. By what people thought we were going to be able to recruit last year, we ended up with a top 25 class. We overachieved in the transfer portal, and now we're overachieving already in wins this year, and we're already overachieving in – Recruiting guys, come on. We're, we're looking at a top 15 recruiting class at yeah. this point. Yeah, I mean, so I, to, to throw everything on them is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would, I would just say this, Bree, to your point. You know, when it comes to achievement, overachieving, underachieving expectations for the for the first couple of years of the Beamer era, you know, I, I said this when he was when he was hired that I'm in it for the long haul. I mean, obviously, I, I support Shane Beamer in it for the long haul. And these first, in my opinion, these first three, four, maybe even five years are just about building the program. So as long as you're going to postseasons every year, I know people think, oh, well, bowl games don't matter. It doesn't matter if you go to a bowl. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, it, does. it generates excitement around your programming. Look at, la look at last year. How could anybody, at least in the Gamecocks fan base, say that bowl games don't matter? You beat UNC – and, I mean, the hype and the excitement. And, I mean, of course, we saw the expectations inflate to a crazy degree. People talking about winning nine or ten games or, God forbid, pushing Georgia for the East. But it just goes to show how much positivity can come 
and how much positive buzz and momentum can come from winning a bowl game. So I, I think in the first couple of years, listen, um, would I like to win seven versus six? Yes. Would I like to win eight versus seven? Yes. But for me, I think in these first couple of years, these first couple of seasons, as long as you're continuing to build the program through recruiting, right, and keep the program moving on an upward trajectory, and I think you can do that by just making bowl games and winning a couple of those bowl games as well. Um, I, you know, I, I do agree with you that, you know, I, I would say we're a little bit ahead of schedule. I think we were definitely ahead of schedule last year. That team last year had no business going to a bowl game. And I don't say that, um, you know, to take anything away from that team. I don't say that in a, in a negative way. But realistically, when you laid out the map for, I think, the Shane Beamer tenure at South Carolina, you know, when he was hired, right, immediately when he was hired, we all said going into last year that making a bowl game would be a massive success. Well, why did we say that? Because we understood the rebuild that he was inheriting. So you were ahead of schedule last year to sit four and two at the halfway point this year. Does it look the way we all want it to look? Not necessarily. Are there things certainly, you know, we have the beautiful thing about this fan base is the Gamecocks. We have high expectations. We have high standards. We want the best. But as you mentioned, I think it's healthy to take a step back and look and say, we're in a good spot right now. The program's actually in a pretty good spot right now. Now there's things, that need to happen. You need to win some more games, continue to build. You need to get to that six, seven, maybe eight win mark this year, whatever. But if you're between, in my opinion, six to eight wins the next three to four seasons even, I think that's fine. I think you're laying a positive, solid foundation. I think you are. Because, again, you're not realistically going to start competing with the upper echelons of the SEC until you're able to build real quality depth and the only way to do that is in recruiting and recruiting that takes time it's about stacking good classes on good classes on good classes because hey you can go get the Spencer Rattlers of the world and the Antoine Wells of the world and the Christian Beal Smiths and you can go get all the skill position guys you want but if you're not fixed and figured out at the line of scrimmage none of it matters and it just takes years of building depth to have those type of guys up front that you can just rotate in and out, you know, O-line two and three is just as good as O-line one. That takes years of building that depth. So I look at it a lot like the Spurrier tenure where, you know, first couple of years he's winning seven games, six, seven. You know, one year he has eight or so. But it took about six years, right, to get to a nine-win season and, uh, and and to really launch the program, if you will. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, listen, we all want more, but in the grand scheme of things, you sit here four and two at the halfway point. I, mean, I think you got to be pretty happy. You know what I mean? I, I think the overall grade for the first half is is by far a passing one. I mean, you're in a good spot right now, all things considered. Yeah, and and, and what in the conversation the way it went too, by the way, with somebody going, oh well, you know, if we don't beat Clemson, then we need a coaching change. You know, we didn't beat Clemson last year. We need a coaching change. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa were, were you expecting to beat Clemson last year? I don't know about this year. Hell, we might have a shot. But were you really expecting to be Clemson last year? You know, I had said, that's not really on the coaches. And somebody goes, that's the coach's job is to get wins. And I'm like, no, the coach's job is to continue to improve our our, our program right now. When, when we have, you know, when we have solid years of recruiting, two, three, four years of recruiting, and then we're not talking about competing for championships, then we really need to be talking about, you know, the coaching change. Or, I mean, like a head coaching change. You know what I mean? Like, 
Uh, I, I understand everybody's on the OC, and I'm not on or off. I know everybody's like, oh, you're always defending that. But, you know, I brought up the point to that person, too. I was like, you know, you're mad that we lost to Clemson last year, but you're mad at Satterfield for scoring zero. Were you mad at White for letting Clemson score 30? You know, uh, were you mad at, at White for letting Arkansas put, what, 44 or something on it this year and, and, and Georgia 48? You know, it's always a call for Satterfield's job, of course. But I'm like, I'm not calling for anybody's job because I, I, I constantly say, you know, I could say that and go, hey, Clayton White's disappointed at, this, at some times, right, and let these teams hang these high numbers on us. But, man, it's, it's all it's, – it's, it's a lot going on. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's new coaches coming in. It's just going to take time. You know, I, I'm patient. I'm a patient person. You know, I've been I've been watching Carolina for a long time. Yeah. If you can't have patience as a Gamecock fan, woo! <laughs> yeah, gonna be tough. No, it's. I mean, I, I I agree with you. Listen, and Travis Lee makes the point here in the chat, and I think he's, I think he's certainly on to something. That the reason that fans are impatient and it's even more impatient than normal is because you're watching what Georgia's doing, you're watching what Clemson's doing, and it, it's tough. I mean, I, I get it, man. It's tough for Gamecock fans on a day in day out basis to live with what your two biggest rivals are doing. They're having the greatest runs of success in their entire history. And unfortunately, it looks like Clemson's got it figured out this year. I think Clemson looks like they might be a playoff team again. So I understand why it's tough to stomach. I understand why the impatience is there. But you just, you got to give Beamer time. I mean, what's your other option? You know what I mean? What, what, what is the other option? It's year two. It's literally year two. So I think stability will be good for this program. I, I think they are going to give Beamer as much time as he needs. Within reason, obviously. I mean, if it was obviously, you know, when you know the guy ain't the guy, once you know that, you're only you're only delaying the inevitable. That's what I said in year four of Muschamp when I called for his job. I knew at that point he's not the guy. We're literally just delaying the inevitable. And sure enough, look what happened. So, but yeah, that that type of talk, man. I I, I listen. I, I I respect all opinions and people's vantage points and and their points of view, if you will. I always say the beauty's in the banter, but. I just think if you're if you're even remotely talking about Shane Beamer's job in year two, I, I just I think you're completely missing the mark. I, I really do. I, I re like Shane Beamer, <laughs> Shane Beamer, if he is going to bowl games every year, there shouldn't even be dis- like he he's he is succeeding. Like that, that's a real conversation we probably should have about the, the, the Gamecocks football program, in my opinion. Like, I just <clears> – <throat> I don't think South Carolina's had enough success where fans – I don't think we've had enough success where fans should scoff at going to a bowl game. Like, you know, we're putting out these projections mm-hmm. of, like, you know, Gamecocks projected to go to the Birmingham Bowl or go to the Liberty Bowl, and you got fans saying, who gives a damn? I don't care about that. Bro, you haven't earned the right to scoff at that. Because the history of Carolina football would tell you, you go to the postseason, you had a great year. This is a program that didn't win its first bowl game until 1995. Winning a bowl game is a big deal here. It's a big deal. Georgia can can spit on the Liberty Bowl. Georgia can spit on the Birmingham Bowl. Gamecock fans, we haven't earned the right to spit on those bowl games. Go start winning some SECs and some national titles. Well, then 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 you can you can do that, but. Going to a bowl game at the University of South Carolina, all things considered, is still a very, very good year. And that's why I like posting those bowl projections because it's like it feels good to be projected to go bowling. Would you rather not be? I mean, dude, you got to really suck to not go to a bowl game. You think about it. There's a lot of teams that make a bowl game. You you had a really dog shit season if you don't go six and six. I mean, really, though, you did. So – 
Um, I know Beamer's working to elevate that expectation and elevate that way of thinking, but until it happens, nobody should scoff or frown upon a 7-5 and five year. I, I mean, absolutely not. I know, I know we want to get back to those 11-win seasons. Don't get me wrong. But those 11-win seasons, that pocket, that three-year pocket, that was the exception, not the rule. Now, Beamer's yep. trying to make it the rule, yep. but that was the exception. You know what I mean? So, 100%. I was just about to say the same thing. It's like we've never been a contender in any of our program history except for, you know, that small pocket of time. And now everybody's coming out going, we're not a contender by the end of this year. I just, I just, I can't accept it. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, what? Like, we've never been a contender. Right. And, and, and we've always been a football program. And I had this discussion because it was uh, another uh, UK about UK, and I said, "Well, look, you know, UK, you know, I'm a UK basketball fan, but they're not they're not a basketball school." And somebody goes, "Oh, y'all are like a women in the basketball school." Well, no, and I hear you. This has always been a football school. Now, regardless of the success, the fan base and the atmosphere around our football, this is a football school. Are we a winning championship football school? No, but is the atmosphere fear around our athletics based around football 100%. So you're hold on side note breaking breaking news. So you're a UK basketball fan. I grew up uh, playing basketball. I was a huge um Okay, know, maybe maybe uh, maybe I maybe I misheard that. I apologize. I thought you said you were a Kentucky no, no, basketball no. fan. I was like, "Dang." No, no, no. I wouldn't say like, "Hey, I'm not I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge UK fan. I grew up watching UK and stuff, and I respect their basketball program and and them as a university. I'm not like, you know, I don't hate on UK is what I'm saying. You know right. what I mean? They got a great basketball program. When I was a kid, I was huge in basketball. So Kentucky was one of my uh, favorite teams to watch. I watched UNC, Duke, and Kentucky more. You know, Carolina when they were good. <laughs> you know, but I'm also I wasn't a huge college basketball fan either. I was more of a, I was a pro fan. Hate pro football, love college football, hate college basketball a lot of times, and love and love and, and love pro basketball. But you know, just you know, preferences. But yeah, I mean, you know, UK was a was a really good uh, program when I was growing up. Right? They're 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 definitely a basketball school, and their culture is based around that, right. not football. Ours is based around football, regardless of the championships or whatever. You know, you want to say we are a football um, program. We're, we're a football yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. It, it's what moves the needle yeah. for m- most for us, which is the case for most uh, mm-hmm. SEC schools. Bree, appreciate the call. Always a pleasure to chat yeah. with you. Thank maybe. you so much. I know we'll talk maybe. again uh, sometime this week. So Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I'm busy. I'll talk to you later. All right, Bree, appreciate you. Good stuff, good stuff. That's an interesting conversation, right? I, I feel like when South Carolina was still winning those national titles in baseball, you know, immediately after – I could have said we were a baseball school. A lot of people looked at us as a baseball school. But certainly, it it is football that moves the needle. I mean, I I, I tell you guys all the time, I've got a really unique vantage point. I've got a unique vantage point um, in regards to what moves the needle and and, and the numbers and downloads and all that. So, yeah, football definitely, uh, it's unlike anything else for sure. Anyways, guys, we'd love to continue to hear from you your questions. Uh, again, like I mentioned, guys, the halfway point of this football season. No podcast on Friday. 
we'll drop a show on Monday. And like I said, it'll be the midseason report card. So I'll grade everything from offense, defense, special teams, coaching, the overall grade, uh, reflect on the first half, look ahead a little bit to the second half and what's possible. But, you know, again, guys, but, you know, I, I guess let me ask you all this. Let me ask you all this. We'll, we'll talk about it early next week, too. But since we're on the topic, um, and I, I would have rather, I would have rather, because I could have dropped this show on Friday, but I would have rather dropped it on Monday. I just, I just feel like uh, start the week off with it instead of end the week with it. Whatever. Either way. Um, how would you guys grade the first half of the season? How, how would you grade? Because I tell you, while it, while it maybe hasn't, while it maybe hasn't looked the way we all thought it would, I mean, four and two is a success. Four and two is a success, guys. No doubt. No doubt. Let's see. Rebecca says, Tennessee can kiss my ass. Indeed. Indeed. Seth Wilkins, I don't know if you're you're talking shit to me or if you're talking shit to somebody else, but either way, the comments are booming as always. Um, we got a text here on the text line about Spencer Rattler. It says, do you think Spencer Rattler has proven himself as a starting quarterback? I mean, is he a starting quarterback? Yes. Yes, he is. Um... Is he what we thought he'd be? I mean, again, I, I don't know that you can put it all on him, right? I don't think you can put it all on him. Play calling has left a lot to be desired. So, I, you know, and, and I just, and I see a lot of the grades, by the way, for the first half, a C, a C plus, B minus, C minus. I, I would just ask you this, though. I, I would ask you this. If you're grading it a C, it, it, I'm assuming it's just because of how it's looked, right? It's not because of the record. Because I think most of most of you all, if I would have asked you before the season, hey, four and two, first six, how do you feel? You'd have said you were ecstatic, right? I mean, I think most people would have said that. I think most would have said that, but I think it's because of how it's looked. I think that's the thing. It's because of how it's looked. But if you take away the the style, or if you take away that that that, you know, the clamoring to see more offensively. I mean, I, I think it's been a, a successful first half. I mean, I really do. I mean, four and two, that's it. Exactly where we picked you to be in the preseason. I mean, it hasn't been pretty, right? It hasn't been pretty for most of the season, but you found a way. You found a way. And, and I will say, I, while I, I talked a lot about over the summer and the preseason, what have you, that, you know, it, it's about how you win in year two, not just winning, but how you win. And I, I want to stand by that, but at the same time, I think early in the Shane Beamer tenure, especially while you're, while you're building the roster and you're building this program, it's about stealing wins. I, I mean, it's about stealing wins. Um, you know, if you're able to steal wins, a win's a win's a win in the SEC, especially when you're on the road. A win's a win's a win, right? So, um, I, I think as long as you're able to steal those victories and just get victories. Yeah, Kevin, 4-2 and two with a ranked win. 4-2 and two with a win over a top 15 team. I know who they didn't have and who they did have, but still. It's, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you, you got to say it's a success. Again, there's, there's a lot left to be desired, but four and two, you somehow found a way to get there. Luke RJ says in the Big Cock Club Discord and the TDC Questions channel says, we couldn't stop Arkansas and we got blown out by Georgia. He gave the grade a C. Chase gave a C-. minus. And Luke RJ, you bring up a good point. Greg Bedinger says offense C, defense C+, special teams A, overall C+. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of the, and I see the grades, I think a lot of it comes back to, again, the, the way you lost those games. You know, Arkansas really just running rough shot through. I mean, it was 21-3. to three. Some would disagree, but I, I don't really feel like you were ever truly in that ball game, right? Um, and then Georgia was was over from the from the opening snap. That that wasn't even competitive. So I think because of how those two games went, that that also impacts the grade, the decision. And again, you guys will know my my grades and everything on uh, on Monday. But I'm just curious to get you guys thoughts. Somebody texts in about the A and M game. Is it a seven or seven thirty game? It is seven thirty on the SEC Network, 7.30. Under the lights at Williams-Brice Stadium should be a very, very fun night. Very fun night, for sure. But uh, I I don't know how much changes, right? How much changes on offense for South Carolina in the second half? I, I, I personally don't see it changing. I think unless I think unless there is a change made behind closed doors that we're not going to hear about, right? So so it's it's there's almost no point in trying to guess like you know who's calling the plays like because we're not going to know. It's going to be nothing but a guess. But if it's Marcus Satterfield still manning this thing, I I don't see it changing on the offensive side because what is clear and evident to me is Marcus Satterfield believes his scheme is going to work. I mean, he if he didn't believe it wholeheartedly, I think they would have made an adjustment by now. But as I talked with Anthony Treesh, what what's so bothersome, what's so bothersome, I mean, listen, guys, I, I do this show. I don't pretend to be a guy that coached football at the college level, and I'm going to sit there and break down film with you and break down X's and O's and 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 give you the the intricacies of every little detail of why this worked, why that worked. Here's what the scheme is. Here's the personnel. Here's the play. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and do that with you. But I had a friend of mine that phrased it this way. I thought he phrased it beautifully. Right? When you've got people that, no matter who they are, but just regular people that are sitting down, they don't watch football, but they sit down and they watch us play. And even someone who doesn't know anything about football can sit there and just say and tell you that just doesn't look right. They don't look coordinated. And I think I said that word wrong, so I apologize. But they don't look in sync, right? Things just don't look right. When you got people like that that sit there and tell you that, it's like you kind of know. You know what I mean? You kind of know. And... We hear this time and time again. There's enough smoke to believe there's fire of, you know, we hear announcers say it. You got Dante Reno on record saying something about it now this week about the offense is so complex. The offense is so difficult to comprehend and to understand. Why is that? It's like at some point you're just like, there's something to that. There's something to that. 
and we're six games in. So I, I don't know what can really change. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. And again, I know we're coming off a big victory against Kentucky, but I think all of us that can look at it through a critical lens can understand that we still have issues on the offensive side. We know we've got good players. We know we've got some pretty talented players. Marshawn Lloyd's a freak. Spencer Rattler has done it before. Antoine Wells has shown off his skills. Jalen Brooks is having the best season of his career. We all feel like Jaheim Bell can be a stud. Austin Stogner was pretty damn good at Oklahoma. But is anything going to change? I, I, I just, I think you're the one with the bold take if you say that it is and all of a sudden we're going to blow up offensively and be some juggernaut the final six games. We very well may get to seven and five. We might get to eight and four, but we're probably going to have to win sloppy because I, I, I just don't see us going out there and I'd love to be wrong, but I don't see us going out there and, and being something we haven't been all season long just because we had a bye week. I don't know. Uh, either way, guys, hey, I want to continue to hear from you, but we're going to jump into one final break, 843-790-3377. More of your questions, comments, calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Final 10 minutes or so here on the Daily Crow. Taking your questions, comments, calls as well. 843-790-3377. I tell you, y'all are, y'all are hell in them comments. Y'all are hell in them comments. <laughs> Rebecca with the animal update. Got four cats, two guinea pigs, and a dog. Says she's going to get a, a gamecock, a rooster for Christmas. How about that? How about that? A.J. Bauer says, I'm not worried about Mizzou. I just don't want the guys having a big head and then falling flat on their asses. I, I don't think that'll be a problem, A.J. I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see that being a problem. That's just me. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to it. I, I think our guys will come out ready to play. I, there's been few times where I felt like we, we came into a game, and at least I haven't seen it in the Beamer era, we came into a game with the wrong attitude. Right? I, I don't think that's been a thing for us. I don't think so. I don't think so. Courtney Washington, it was your standard five-minute break. It's just flying by. Time flies when you're having fun, Courtney. Time flies when you're having fun. A.J. Bauer says, we beat Texas A&M, and there's hardly any doubt in my mind we won't be a two-loss team going to the Florida game or the Tennessee game. So you think, okay, I mean, that's, that's fair. We'll be a... We won't be a two-loss team. We're, AJ, we're four and two. What do you mean? We're, we're literally four and two. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Let's see. Guys, again, podcast dropped this morning. Uh, just some content updates for you guys, kind of some lighthearted stuff. Also, SEC gambling picks. 
Week seven. This is a big week in the SEC. This is a very, very big week. Tennessee and Alabama. Georgia, Vandy. Florida, LSU. Okay. Here we go. To accept, press one. Chase, I know that you're a king of some sort, but it cut out, so I couldn't hear what you said. What was your title, and how are you doing? I just said the gift king. Uh, I think I'll do pretty good. Oh, the good gift at the king. The gift, the gift king, indeed. <laughs> Everybody else is getting like you said, What's up, man? Thank, thank God you can't post gifts in the uh, in the YouTube chat. All hell would break loose. They, YouTube's got to fix that dude, too. That would be that would be fun. That would be fun. Dude, it would it would be chaos for me in the YouTube chat if I could get it there with gifts. That's all I'm gonna say. But uh, yeah, man, I was just gonna talk because I had a minute. I'm waiting on a forklift to come over here and get something off my truck. But uh, the the grading thing, I, I know it's a few minutes past now, but I just was driving. Uh, I would, my C minus, like you said, I think it's just because we haven't played a complete game yet. Now, you know, last week I called and I said, uh, you know, show me. Kind of like you've got every opportunity to go beat Kentucky, and they did, even though we both agreed, you know, and a lot of people in here definitely wasn't uh, a, <laughs> a good looking win, I guess. But, you know, it was progress. I was happy with the offense and defense line. I don't know how much, you know, mentally Kentucky was there. That has to play effect with Levis not being there because they were a completely different team. But at the same time, like I said in the Discord, Levis didn't beat us last year. I mean, it was Rodriguez and Kilgo, so I didn't really think it was that big of a deal if he was there or not. But it's just to this point, C-minus, and a lot of that's holding up on the special teams. Our field goal unit and special teams have been remarkably, like, amazing. Uh, this year, and that's kudos to Limbo. He's done a hell of a job to do that for us, and I don't think he gets nearly the credit that he should because uh, you can't have Beamer ball without Limbo. And uh, defensively, we look better against Kentucky. Um, I, and uh, offensively, still is a struggle bus. Whatever happened with rumors, I just wanted to give my kudos to, you know, the team for what we just Hopefully we can just a little bit. And a and All right, Chase, Chase's service cutting out on us a good bit, but I think what he was saying was giving credit where credit's due to all parties involved. I don't want to speak for Chase. Chase, I, I apologize. I don't know if it was your service or our service or what have you. But, uh, yeah, you certainly got to give a lot of credit to Pete Limbo, man. And Beamer Ball, I mean, great, great first half of the brand, man. Five blocked punts first half of the season. I mean, really, that's the, that's the first half MVP, right? If you were to hand out a first half and it won Let's see. Here we go. Chase, what's up? My bad. That was, that was on me. I was just going to say, but uh, luckily this uh, the uh, bye week comes at a good time. I've been, uh, hopefully it will improve. And uh, the defense, I mean, I've, I've been lost my train of thought since I disconnected. Uh, that bye week could come, and hopefully Texas A&M, I, I kind of have the Florida syndrome from last year. The team, I mentally, maybe they broken down a little bit after taking so many losses and, you know, failing to the height. So hopefully we're just catching them at a good time. So that'll help us get some momentum 
and we can get out of there with a win and go into this stretch of home game, uh, home uh, games that, uh, you know, are going to be crucial for the outcome of the season. So uh, that's all I really got. Oh, I did want to make this comment real quick. Um, you know, you gave us those uh, at the meet and greets, you gave us uh, Big Cup Club members their stickers and stuff, and I slapped one on my golf cart. Yes. My wife just noticed it yesterday, and she laughed at me. So I don't know what that means. So I just wanted to let you know that. So, <laughs> all right, man. Have a good day. Appreciate it. Chase, I appreciate you, go man. Cox. Yeah, go Cox. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, love that, man. The Big Cock Club merchandise, the, the stickers, everything. It's always a good time. Always good stuff. Uh, and it's funny, those that, you know, are not Gamecock people or, or just have no idea what's going on, they see that, the Big Cock Club. And it's like, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of comments from people going through, like, TSA and going through – going through, uh, you know, at the airport, and people see my hoodie or they'll see my shirt and be like, what is that? And it's just, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you can't get in. So. Uh, Jaden Harris, Mitch Jeter doesn't get talked about enough because for him to have come in and replaced one of the best kickers we've had and for him to basically be about as reliable as Parker White is huge. Yeah, yeah, listen, special teams as a whole has been really good. I, I know we've had a couple of mishaps here and there, but. For the most part, I mean, it, it's hard to grade special teams anything other than an A-plus, man. I mean, Mitch Jeter, I think, has done a beautiful job of filling in. You've blocked five punts thus far this season. There, I mean, you, you've had a bunch of successful two-point conversions. There haven't been a ton to, to complain about in regards to special teams. I think they've done a great job. Um, I know the only thing that folks really would probably mostly like to see more from is, is the return game. Uh, kickoff return, punt return especially, but I think those guys have done a fine job. I mean, I, I just, you know, I, again, I don't think uh, – I think special teams is more than than held up there into the bargain the first half of the season. So, um, Beamer ball. Beamer ball to the freaking moon. And give Pete Limbo his love too. Uh, guys, we are about to close up here as we creep closer to 2 o'clock. Again, podcast did drop this morning, episode 714. Uh, my SEC gambling picks and a great conversation, by the way, with Chris Marlin of College Football Uncensored and Saturday Down South. Uh, he gave a very bold take on the Texas A&M game next weekend, which, again, I will be posting that here shortly. But uh, I just want to say thank you all, man. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support. Uh, join the Big Cock Club, by the way, on the note of the Big Cock Club. Join today if you have not. We had our BCC hangout last night. Uh, we were chatting for about an hour and a half or so. We will do that. At minimum, once per week. I really want to do more stuff in the Big Cock Club. I want to do more stuff in regard to exclusive content for you guys. So, join today. Patreon.com slash Big Cock Club. Patreon.com slash Big Cock Club. John Edwards is probably going to change my game pick in the preseason from Texas A&M to South Carolina. I hear you. Hey, I picked a loss. I think I picked a pretty sizable loss, too. I picked like a 20, no, 17-point loss, something like that. So, We'll see. I'm not ready to make any sort of prediction. The plot does thicken, though, as Texas A&M looks like they might be on QB3 going into the ballgame. So, we'll see. Guys, thank you all so much for getting another successful day. I appreciate it. Again, go check out the podcast I dropped this morning, and stay tuned to all the content. Content bleeding out the eyeballs. Guys, I'm out of here. Appreciate you all. Y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.